Welcome to the Jill on Money Coronavirus Market Update. Uh, We are recording this at 3.35 in the afternoon on Monday. You will get it in your feed on Tuesday morning, a little bit before the equity markets close because we really want to talk about oil. Oil, my friend, I feel like we should have the Beverly Hillbillies song playing in the background. I'm really dating myself. Crude oil prices turn negative. I know that's impossible, right? It isn't. And here's why. Because crude oil is a futures contract. And so that means there are a series of contracts that are traded. The one that is expiring Tuesday, which is now you're waking up on Tuesday morning. So the one that's expiring today is the one that we're going to be talking about. It's the one that was negative. It's the one that closed down minus 30 something. And that's insane, right? But it's not if you really think about it. Two big aspects of the oil market. Number one is there's a macroeconomic reason the price of oil is down dramatically. And that is obviously that there's no demand for energy, zero. No one wants to drive anywhere. No one's taking flights. So the demand for all energy products down. That's why the price of oil has started going lower this year. Okay. On top of that, there was an agreement to curtail production earlier in the year, which then never came to fruition. So Saudi Arabia and Russia were going to, along with other OPEC nations, cut production. They never did it. Saudi pumped the heck out of its wells. And man, the world was awash in energy products. Just crazy. Then once the all the nations did get together and agree to curtail production, kind of too late. So what's happened right now is that there's no demand for oil. So essentially, I've got to pay somebody, if I'm pumping oil, to get it out of the ground and then store it somewhere. As a result, this contract that's expiring today, no one wants today's oil. They're looking in the future. So this has a name in the commodities world. It's called contango. That's when prices are higher in the future than they are in the present. And doesn't that make sense? Because the bet that these oil traders are taking is that after the virus runs its course later this year, economic activity will pick up and that should push up the price of oil. So when you look at futures contracts, you'll see that June crude oil is at about, let's call it 21 and a half, July crude oil, 27, August crude, 2020. And if you want to really get a sense of what's going to happen in the future and you go all the way to the end of the year, the price of oil up closer to say 30. Now doesn't that start to make a lot more sense? Now you can sound really smart and you can say contango to a friend of yours and really feel like you own the market, right? All right. I'm just kidding. But that's what you need to know. My first job on Wall Street, I was a commodities trader And I traded gold, silver, and copper right next door to the crude oil market on the mercantile exchange in New York. And um, I was over in the commodities exchange in New York. So that's what it's all about and uh, tells you sort of two different aspects of the, the crude oil story. Okay, now you got that, right? So obviously, with that news, it wasn't a particularly great day for stocks. On the other hand, it wasn't so bad, you know, down a couple percent. This is not terrible. Remember last week was a very good week. So I'm not looking at day-to-day prices so much unless there's a story to be told like there was in the crude oil market. 
So let us get on to your questions. If you have a financial question, do send us an email, askjill at jillonmoney.com. And let's see, that is what Mario did. Mario writes, hello, Jill and Mark. I love the show and I enjoy this mailbag portion. I currently have the Vanguard Target Date Fund 2040. My question is, what's better, a balance fund or a target date fund? I'm thinking about the Wellington Fund. I'm 55 years old. I have this in a Roth account with about $65,000 in the target fund right now. I also have a thrift savings plan. Well, I mean, it's slightly different. Here's the deal. The the target date fund will essentially change the allocation of your investments based on when you hit retirement, whereas a balanced fund will be, as its name, more balanced throughout. It doesn't mean that one's better or worse. It really depends on what you need. And if this is money that you don't think you're going to tap for a long time, it kind of doesn't matter to me. I think the target date fund is fine. Just know that that target date fund in Vanguard, I'm just going to look this up right now, because sometimes the, the target date funds can have more risk than you actually understand. Okay, so when I pull up the Vanguard Target Retirement 2040, the portfolio is allocated as follows, 83% in stocks, 17% in bonds. That's a pretty aggressive allocation. If you decided that you wanted to make that a less aggressive allocation, what you would do is you would simply choose a fund that is closer in time. You could say the 2025 fund. But I just point this out to say that not knowing what this money is really for and whether or not you're going to access it, I just want to point out that there's a bunch of risk in this thing. Okie doke. Here we go. This is from Dan. He says, I work at a gas station with two others, a manager as a fellow and a fellow employee, just the three of us. Our hours have been cut and it's affecting me the most. Oh God, this is terrible. I spent the entire first week trying to get a hold of unemployment, filing an application and was unable to do either until Sunday evening after the cutoff for that week. I finally got my application sent in. I now have to wait a few days until an agent will email me. We're into the second week. I'm furious over this situation. I've lost 28 hours and will not be able to make ends meet, not to mention how confusing the unemployment website is. I'm literally in tears, pulling hair out of my head, causing my knuckles to bleed as I punch tables and brick walls. I can't live like this, and I'm so scared. What can I do to get through to them and receive back pay that I've lost due to reduced hours? Please help. Dan, you're doing exactly what you should be doing. And let me start by saying this is horrible and I'm so sorry for you. What I'm hopeful is that you will, you usually can get your pay back dated. You can get your unemployment benefits for the time that you were actually saw the reduction in hours. So you should be able to see this. Plus, don't forget, you'll get that extra $600 a week from the federal government, from the CARES Act. And I'm um, hopefully you're going to get that $1,200 stimulus check. So Hopefully, hopefully with that, you'll be able to help yourself and stabilize, but I can't tell you how sorry I am. This is not an uncommon story. So, you know, as we're all wading through whatever troubles we're going through in this time, think about this guy, think about Dan and think about the people that are really hurting out there. And so it doesn't mean your problems aren't problems. It just means that it's a reality check, right? Fair enough to say, I think so. 
Okay. This is Carla who loves the podcast. She says, I used to listen to you several years ago when I remember when Mark was in London, somehow I lost track of the two of you, but I feel like I found two lost friends. Oh, that's nice. Mark, remember when you were in London? Seems like a million years ago. Remember when I was in London? That seems like a million and a half years ago. Oh my God. Carla's question is about rebalancing. She says, I heard you recommend rebalancing once a year. My question is about how to rebalance. Do I rebalance the portfolio or change the future contributions to buy more of the part of the allocation that's a smaller percentage? Does it make a difference whether it's a taxable account versus a retirement account? If I rebalance the portfolio, am I locking in paper losses? Okay. So it's for the whole allocation. That's how you do it. And it does make a big difference if it's a retirement account versus a non-retirement account. Because with a retirement account, there's no tax liability. And with a non-retirement account, there is, which is why sometimes I think rebalancing less frequently for a taxable account makes more sense. But it's the whole thing. And don't worry about paper losses. Losses are losses. Gains are gains. So you're locking in both paper losses and paper gains. How about that? Um, this is from Denise. She says, we filed our 2019 taxes. And when we printed our copy, there were estimated taxes, quarterly payments, vouchers included. Are estimated taxes mandatory or are they optional? Well, they are mandatory if you want to avoid paying penalties. So that's an important aspect of this. So yeah, they're not mandatory. Like someone's going to come and kill you. It's not illegal, but they are suggested so that you can avoid any penalties in the future. Uh, This is from Edmund, who says their 24-year-old daughter is a youth minister and in college. She wants to start investing. She says, where's the best place to invest the $1,200 COVID-19 check she received from the government? Any recommendation? She's eager, doesn't make a ton of money, itching to get started. Well, um, she's in college. Does she think she might want access to this money? If she does want access to it, then she can just open up a um, an account, say, with the Vanguard or T. Rowe Price or someplace like that, and maybe buy a you know little chunk in a stock index fund, a little chunk in a bond index fund. But if she doesn't really need the money and she really, really doesn't need it, she can open a Roth IRA because I bet she has some earned income. And so to me, that might be a great way to start investing, but whatever you put into that, remember you can put the lesser of the amount of money she makes, right? So the the Roth IRA has, all IRAs have contribution limits. Let me start by saying that. It's $6,000, but it's limited by how much earned income. So if she only had $1,000 of earned income, then she could only put $1,000 into the Roth. If she has any sort of debt that you think is going to be due after college, then don't invest it because we're going to need that money. Okay. So I want to end this by just saying, um, I got a shout out to Christopher. Thank you so much for the email. Uh, He basically told me that his 12-year-old likes me. And I can't read the whole thing because he's told me not to read it, but I am so delighted And please encourage your children, no matter how old they are, especially the girls, to get into managing their money and taking control of their financial lives as soon as you can. It's all about talking about it. It's the communication that'll get us through. So that's it. That's for the day. We will talk to you tomorrow. If you've got any sort of financial questions, you can just send us an email, askjill at jillonmoney.com. Go to our website, jillonmoney.com. Hey, you can get our free weekly newsletter. You can always send us a note from the 
website itself. And uh, we're happy to take any comments, check out the resource section. Let us know if you are in trouble or if you just have any sort of question that's on your mind. We'd love to help you out. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget, don't forget, wash your hands, wear your mask, social distancing, be nice to each other, be nice to someone else, lift someone up. When you're listening to this, think that, lift someone up today. I don't care who it is, even if it's just a smile, we all could use it. All right, thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.